Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Every Nation podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. So last week we started our series our, um, called Disciple Shift. And um, in this series, we've been looking at how we, how we can embrace the shift that needs to take place in order for us to really faithfully and fruitfully follow Jesus and be a disciple. So we, we're looking at these shifts that need to take place in order for us to faithfully and fruitfully follow and serve Jesus and be his disciples, hence the title Disciple Shift. It's pretty clever, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and there are these certain shifts that have to take place when we are in the kingdom of God because we're in a new kingdom and we're under a king. We are not a part of this world and the way in which it operates and the system that, um, that defines it. There's something different about us. If, if yeah. Jesus is our king and we are his subjects, then there should be something that defines us differently to people who aren't a part of the kingdom. Yeah? yeah? Does that make sense? Um, and, um, and there needs to be a sense of standing apart. And I really want to encourage you to, to embrace this series. Um, to humble yourself and humble your heart before God and really position yourself to allow Him to do a critique of you. If He starts to emphasize something that needs to shift, then just yield to that. Yield to His wisdom. Yield to His ways because that's how we actually become who He created us to be, right? So you have free will and your free will is incredibly powerful. You can either use your free will to embrace the freedom that he has for you or it can actually be a hindrance and a stumbling block to God accessing um, what he wants to do in and through your life. See, God's not a tyrant and he's not a bully. He's not gonna force himself upon you. So I really encourage you to embrace the series with a humble heart and say, God, what are you, what are you highlighting and, and help me to shift as I continue to grow as a disciple of Jesus. And um, I love the fact that we started last week with addressing the issue of the disciple shift from lust to love. Yeah, because love, as Tandile, so well done, so clearly marked out that what sets us apart is the fact that we are governed by love. That, that is what sets us apart. Look at the scripture in John 13, 35. Jesus said, by this all will know that you are my disciples. What's going to determine whether you look like a disciple of Jesus? Whether you have love one for another. So agape love is what sets us apart to determine whether we are actually a faithful and fruitful follower of Jesus. And you contrast that with the scripture that was expounded last week in 1 John 2, 15 to 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, but, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So here we have these two scriptures really setting apart what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. 
the disciple of Jesus has agape love governing their lives, and it's expressed as, it's, as, as that love is, is being shared around the world to everybody you encounter, as opposed to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, which actually shows that you're a part of the world system. And I think last week was beautiful, just having that moment where people were coming in and reconnecting with the love of God and repenting of the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. So we are seeing this discipleship take place. And today, um, my beautiful friend, Anox Lamini, is going to be sharing the pulpit with me, and we're going to be looking at the discipleship that's needed to move from being a victim to a victor. I think it's going to be a powerful day today. So I really want to encourage you to be attentive and mindful to, to what is um, released from the pulpit today and what God is wanting to do. So if I can ask you to stand to your feet, and we're going to pray. Father, we come before you this morning, and we thank you for the incredible work you've already done in the house. Worship was amazing. Our time of praying for the Ukraine, powerful. As we've given of our tithes and our offerings, it's been impact, um, full of impact, and, and we just position ourselves to hear from you this morning. We yield our hearts to your wisdom and your ways, and we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and bring the shift that is needed to make us true, authentic disciples of Jesus. We wanna be faithful, we wanna be fruitful, we wanna be empowered by your spirit to, to accomplish everything that you wanna accomplish through our lives. We pray that you keep our minds alert, our hearts open, and we say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. Amen, amen. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to look at disciples shift from two different angles. Knox is going to take the first angle, and I'm going to take the second angle, and we're going to, we're going to uh, address it like that. So Knox is going to come up shortly, and she is going to look at how do we think? How do we think as people? Are we thinking in a way that um, leads us towards having a victim mindset? Or do we think in a way that leads us towards having a victorious mindset? So how we think is very critical, and she's a very smart woman. So I thought she would be excellent for, for that. Um, and your mind is a powerful place. Your mind is a place that encompasses your reflective thinking of your brain and the emotional thinking of your heart. Just think about that for a second. Your mind encompasses the reflective thinking of your brain and the emotional thinking of your heart. So your mind is an incredibly important part of you that, um, that needs to be discipled in the way of Jesus. And what's interesting about your mind is your mind is where the battle takes place. The mind is where the, the deception tries to come in. The mind is where the foothold of the enemy tries to, to come in there. So your mind is pretty much like a battleground, but your mind is also an incredible weapon. And so Knox is going to unpack how we think and how important it is um, in our positioning ourselves to have a victorious mindset. We all want a victorious mindset, don't we? That no matter what's happening, you're looking at it from a place of I'm an overcomer. Yeah? So, and then when she's done, then I'm going to speak about how we deal with fear. Because what we'll find out about fear is that fear has an incredible partnership with a victim mindset. Whereas courage partners with being a victor. 
So we're going to unpack that. So Knox, do you want to come up and take us through how we think? Thank you. I almost forgot my mic. I don't know how you were going to hear me. Sanborn. Ninjani. How? It's good to see you. It really is wonderful to stand here and look at all these beautiful faces. And hi, if you're on, uh, online, I love you too. Anyway, so thank you so much, Trish. That was such an amazing intro. I just felt like sitting and just, you know, I wanted to carry on listening to, to you speak. So I look forward to, to you just talking to us later on FEAR. Now, um, as Trisha has said, I'm going to be speaking a little bit about our minds, and um, it's going to be different to how I've done it in the past. And uh, so let's, let's just look at this. First of all, how we think plays a huge role in, in, in our belief of who we are, uh, what our role is in the world, but also what the world is about, what the world is like. So our worldview is shaped a lot because of how we think, right? It also affects, affects us. It affects us whether we think, for example, just listen to these words and see which ones you tick off as, okay, this is me, this is me. If you think I'm a winner, I'm a loser, hopeful or helpless, blessed or cursed, and of course, victim or victor. Or how about this one, lucky or unlucky? And the reason why I say this is that there's someone who tells me all the time, you're very lucky. And I say, no, I'm blessed, actually. I'm not lucky. But anyway, so we're going to look at a couple of things that impact how we think and what we can do about these things, all right? And what I would like us to, to remember is that in all these things that we're going to be talk about, talking about, if you see that you do have a way of thinking that is victim-set, don't worry about it because... Mark 9.23 says, okay, and Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. If you, so, so no, let me read it differently. I read it incorrectly. So this person was coming to Jesus and saying, if you can, please heal my daughter. And then Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. So as we approach the word today, let's approach it in, in faith, knowing that all things are possible to us, regardless of how impossible our situation is. All right, now let's get going. I'm going to put up a definition up there. Now, this definition is the definition of temperament. And I would like us to look at temperament because a lot of us seem locked in particular ways of thinking because we think, well, I was born this way. I can't help myself, right? So temperament is the combination of mental, physical, and emotional traits of a person. So it's your natural predisposition. So it's how you were born. It's what, when you came on earth, you came in with, all right? So each one of us is born with a specific temperament. So we think in a particular way because that's just who we are. Perhaps we are physically a particular way. We wish we were taller, but, you know, you were born that way. So your DNA, my DNA came with me stating that I'll be this, this tall, whether I like it or not, even if I wish I would have been as tall as my daughter. But anyway, that's another thing. 
So, um, so we have a tendency to lean in a particular way because we were born that way. That's what God gave us. But what we need to remember is this, is that our ways of thinking, even if we were born and given that way of thinking, we are living in a broken world. So because we are living in a broken world, you find that there are certain temperaments that lean towards being a victim or that lean towards being strong and outgoing and feeling that, that you can conquer the world even if you don't even have anything to conquer the world with. So I'm just going to read an example of a temperament um, that, that is a certain way. So, so this person, this type of temperament, seldom takes responsibility for things that go wrong in their lives. So they always feel like they're victims of their circumstances. So because of this, they don't feel like they have to get up and do anything about the things that happen to them, all right? They would rather complain about the things that happen and hope that someone will do something about things. So when they see that perhaps the world is unsaved, they think that, oh, I wish someone can go and minister to so-and-so. I wish someone can speak to so-and-so so that that person can be saved. So it's always out there, but I don't have the ability. So as you can see, this leaning is more towards a victim way of thinking and also a way that says the answers are out there, they're not in here. So it's important to know when we are like this so that we can then trust God to help us to change it. Because like I said to us, regardless of how you were born, when we approach these things with faith in our hearts, then we are able to change even the natural way that you are. Have you ever heard of people that are called moody and all of that? Even those things are changed when they allow themselves to be under the power of the word of God, when they allow themselves to be taught, when they allow themselves to be shaped in a particular way. So um, let us look at Romans chapter 8 verse 37. It says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. So he speaks about things that happen to us. But I want to encourage you that despite how you are internally, how, whether you are pessimistic or optimistic by nature, it doesn't matter. You have overcoming victory. And later on, I'm just going to speak about how it is that we get into that, into that, um, that, that victory. And then the second thing that affects our thinking is not only how we were created, or rather what our temperament is, but also our background. Now, background has to do with your upbringing, but it also has to do not just with how you were brought up in your family, but also the things that you were exposed to. So as you were growing up, you were in a particular school, you were in a certain community, you went to clubs maybe, or you were part of, you were part of clubs or whatever it is. Um, well, maybe some went to many clubs, the other type that happens at night with doom doom and stuff like that. But anyway, all of that, those things that you grew up with, they also have shaped your thinking. So, our, because you see, what happens is that the view that my family has of the world affects me. The view that the world, that my family has of me and the things that they say to me and about me, they shape how I think and what I believe about myself. 
So I can believe that I'm not able to do things because maybe in my family I'm being compared with my older brother or, or younger sister or whatever. And I hear things like, oh, you know, that one is a go-getter, unlike this lazy one. Or, you know, words like that. You hear all those things and they begin to shape who you think that you are. So even in the way that you think, you think through those filters. So it is critical that we understand that. And then you understand that it's actually not abnormal that I'm that way. So, and, and, and also what, it, what we need to remember is that we are conditioned to think that the world is either a friendly place or um, a scary place. So if I think that the world out there is an unsafe place, I can walk around thinking that almost waiting for negative things to happen to me because I'm afraid. And also I understand that there are people who have actually had experiences in their lives that have created that sense of, not because they, they you know, not because maybe um, your situations were easy, but your situations were difficult. And the world was a scary place, actually, really was. You've experienced some hard, harsh things in your life. And because of that, it has caused that thinking that is almost, you are always protecting yourself rather than going out there. You are protecting yourself. But now the danger of that is that when we, when we think life happens to us, when we think that hey, things always happen to me, I don't make things happen. What ends up happening is that we think that power is out there and control is outside of us. Yet as God's children, that's not what God says. God says the complete opposite. So when we live in this way and we allow the things that have happened in our lives to, to keep on shaping our thinking in this way, then we live as victims consistently. Because you are afraid that actually, you know what, if um, there's anything that has to happen, it's out there. There's a term that is used where it's like you have a locus of control. So it's a belief that control is either is in me or out there. So I'm going to give you some examples, all right? So listen to these statements. I got that job because the owners are friends of my family. So it may very well be that the owners are friends of your family. But you go in there thinking that you actually can't make it because you were done a favor. It had nothing to do with anything that is inside of you. And the truth perhaps is that, well, they hired you because they've been watching you grow up and seeing the capability that you have in you. So they hired you because they knew that they can trust you because they have seen you and seen what is in you. Or what about this? I failed because the teacher doesn't like me. How many times have we heard this from people who started studying two days before the test? And what about this one? Whatever will be, will be. We even create, someone created a song out of this even. Whatever will be, will be. Or God's will will happen. Whatever God's will, whatever God wills is the thing that will happen. But here's the thing. You see, when we believe this way, we leave everything to the circumstances around us. We leave everything, but God has called us to be people who live in authority. So a person who lives in authority, who has authority, is a person who has been given the power to stand up 
and to speak life into situations, to stand up and to do something about the challenges that they see in the world. So a person who has authority is the person who has been given the right to actually get up and take up responsibility. Because the problem with us having a victim mentality and thinking in these victim ways is that we have a sense of thinking that blocks opportunities and we have blind, blind spots. So you don't see, create, you, you may be creative, but you don't see creative ways of actually ministering the gospel to people. You don't see creative ways of actually, you know, going out there and making money even if you don't have a job. These are just some ways. So quickly, quickly, I just want to give us an example using the children of Israel. Okay, in Numbers 13, we read something interesting. But just if we look quickly at the children of Israel, you remember that, uh, some of you would remember, of course, that the children of Israel went to Egypt, okay? And they were there as slaves for how many years? 400 years. They were in slavery. So this was generation after generation after generation, right? So all they knew is slavery, now, God comes in in an epic way, better than in, 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 in any Marvel movie. He comes in and he just swoops down and then he takes over and he does these amazing things for these people, these people who were still slaves. He does these awesome things for them and he takes them out of, the, out of Egypt. So they go out of there victorious and happy that, wow, we have found someone who, who has saved us from what we were. And then when they have to inherit the land of milk and honey, spies are sent in. And then what I find interesting is what 10 of this, these spies said. So in Numbers 13, verse 32 to 33, it says, So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. They said the land they travel through would devour anyone who is in it. So they said the land will devour anyone who's in it. And besides that, there are these huge giants, the Amalekites. And then they said something interesting. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought, that's what they thought too. So we felt like grasshoppers and that's what they thought too. So these people have been slaves all their lives. Now, for the first time, God is giving them the, the, uh, giving them the opportunity to be masters, the opportunity to be owners. But here, they are thinking that they are grasshoppers because this is how they grew up. They grew up as slaves. And all they knew was, I think I, I read um, a Bible commentary where they said that they worked about 16 hours a day. So that's all that they knew. They didn't know anything else, and they saw themselves like this. But now the danger in this is that what begins to happen, perhaps you have experienced things that have caused this, and then what begins to happen is that complaining becomes your daily bread. Complaining, not seeing when blessings are there, not seeing when strength is there, which is why it is so critical for us then to take the word of God and meditate on it. Because in this situation, that's what God told Joshua. Joshua, remember, was also a former slave. And if you just take a, a quick look at Joshua chapter 1, in the first eight verses, God told, tells him, be bold, 
be courageous. Have I not told you? Have I not told you? Because this was a former slave. So for us as God's children, if perhaps we have this victim mindset, there is no other way out for us except to take the Word of God, to meditate on it, to actually take the Word of God, to live in it, to eat of it like our lives depend on it. I can tell you, my friend, your life does not depend on that series that you've been binging on, but your life depends on you taking the Word of God, reading it, listening to music that talks about it, listening to preachings, sitting down, studying the Word. Because the Word of God, remember, everything that God created in the beginning, He used the Word, right? So as He created us with His hands, but everything else, He used the Word. He spoke. So when He speaks into your life through His Word, He changes even your temperament, things that you think are unable to be changed. So the Word of God is powerful in that it it ministers to us and it brings change into us. So when God says, be bold, be courageous, he was not only giving him words that will help him to stand strong. Like, you know, if I say, go, my friend, you'll be okay. No, what God does with his word is that, yes, it's supposed to inspire us and all that, but it creates what it is saying to me. So if God's word says to me, as we see in in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, we tear down arguments and every presumption set up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, when we do this, what we are doing is this. I tear down the arguments in my mind that tell me that I'm unable to do things. I take the word of God and I speak it into my mind and I allow it to have a place in me. What it begins to do is it breaks down those ways of thinking that I've had and it builds up a new way of thinking so that the things that I'm saying from the word will begin to be true about me. So there's no, we used to say tablap where I grew up in Soweto. There's no shortcut. We have got to take the word of God and we've got to, 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 you know, to take captive those thoughts. So if those thoughts come, unfortunately, we can't sit passively. Some of us have those passive temperaments. But I've had to learn over time that passivity is not going to help me. In fact, I'm going to end up dying at death, you know, living, but actually dead inside because I have not done anything about the things that God has spoken about me. So I want to encourage you today, if your thinking is, the, is that way in li- inclined, child of God, get up, take the word of God. One, two, bring somebody alongside you and tell them, this is who I am. This is how I think. Won't you help me? If it means you need someone else, you need a coach, you need whatever, do whatever you can to ensure that you are more than a conqueror like God said that you are. So don't allow your thinking to make you stop, but allow the Word of God to change your thinking so you can stand strong and take up the authority that God has given to you. Amen. Okay, so I'm just going to hand over to Trisha as he's going to talk to, she's going to talk to us about fear and how we, we deal with it. Amen. Brilliant. All right. 
So I don't want to rush straight into my point. I want to just give us a moment to ponder and just to sit reflectively, allow God to speak to you about what Knox has just shared. So let's just close our eyes, open your heart, say, God, what are you pinpointing here? What are you highlighting? And as you feel his spirit prompting you, speaking something into your mind, into your heart, write it down. Holy Spirit, we want to shift wherever we need to shift. We don't want to be a people who make excuses for not being the incredible humans that the Father created us to be. Wherever our thinking needs to change, wherever we need to allow your spirit to adjust and shift our temperament, wherever we've been lazy about being in the Word, correct us. Would you bring to our minds who we need to bring, who we need to go to and bring alongside in our journey? We want to be a people who are accountable. Amen. Okay, so the, the other angle that we want to look at this from is um, addressing fear and how it, um, how it affects us seeing ourselves either as a victim um, or when we deal with fear, how we actually become a victor. And I said earlier in my introduction that fear partners with the victim mindset, whereas courage partners with the victor mindset. So let's just expose what fear is, okay? Anybody in this room ever not experienced fear? Okay, true, because we all live in KwaZulu-Natal, so we, we're quite familiar with fear. Fear is a spirit, okay? Fear is a spirit, and it has a particular attention for vulnerable situations and for hurts, so if you're going through something and you're feeling particularly vulnerable or you've been hurt, the spirit of fear wants to come and attach itself to you. So that's something important to remember. If you're going through something and you're feeling vulnerable or there's been a hurt in your life, just watch out for that one who wants to come and partner with you at that time. Okay, but fear is spirit and it's not your portion. What does the word of God say? You haven't been given a spirit of fear. You've been given a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And this is why what Knox was saying about allowing the word to replace the lies becomes incredibly empowering in our life. So fear is a spirit, and it's best dealt with by exposing it. Exposing it, calling it what it is. And you know what happens when you're in a vulnerable situation or you hurt, pride will often say, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of what's going on. Not, that's, that's not why I'm not stepping up or addressing it. It's not because I'm afraid. But if we don't expose it and say, you know what, the situation is actually making me afraid and I feel vulnerable, then we expose it, we bring it into the light, 
And we're able to take it captive. And we're able to replace the lies with the truth, which comes from the Word of God. So I'm going to give you a little example from, from something Wayne and I went through. And um, we were living in a particular area in the city, and uh, there was a fair amount of uh, housebreakings and, and crime that was taking place. And as neighbors, we decided it was going to be important for us to address the situation. So we, we said, we're going to need to get some private security in our neighborhood to make sure that we're okay and that we're safe. And, um, and everybody was like, how do we afford this? What do we do? It's really tough. Everybody made sacrifices and the road got together and we employed a private security company to, to be on guard 24 seven. And, um, and it happened that when, when we were addressing the, um, the issue of employment, we said to the security company, something that we value is that the staff are paid well. We don't want to be living in our nice houses and then there's a security guard who's putting his life on the line and he's not being paid well for that kind of work. And, um, and we were assured that everything would be fine and everybody would be paid well. But as we got to know the security guards who were working in our area, um, we found out that they actually were not being paid well. And um, they were actually being exploited because we did the maths. We were like, we've got this many houses, we're all paying this amount of money, this is how much... Um, would be fair to be paying the God, this is what he is paying. This is, this is exploitation. This is not okay. The security company is taking too big a cut in the, in the mix. And um, so we decided we were going to address it. And we, we got together with, um, with the neighbors and with the security company, and we began to discuss it. And we you know, brought the issue into the light. And it was interesting how people began to get offended people began to actually not be very happy that we were raising this or discussing it or even addressing it. And um, what, what started out as like really good intentions on Abahat started to be turned around. And there were some emails that started to go around amidst the neighbors and people started to second guess us and they were even questioning our motives in why we were addressing this. And it just started to turn very pear-shaped. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm actually offended. This is not okay. Like, we're trying to do the right thing. Like, who are these people, and why are they they're not caring about other people, and, you know, they're all safe in their house because this gentleman is looking out for them. And, and so there was this temptation to become offended. There was a situation that could bring hurt, that could bring misunderstanding. But there was also a lot of fear because we started to feel afraid of what people were thinking about us in our neighborhood. We started to feel like, um, you know, this, this isn't the, the correct way in which something should happen, but we, we're now being treated in a particular way. You second guess the way people are reacting to you. I'm sure that person looked at me funny when I arrived in my driveway today. Um, you know, you start, your mind starts playing all these games, and there's a lot of fear, and there's a lot of uncertainty, and offenses on offer all around. And, um, and I remember thinking to myself, you know, it's just a lot easier to say to the security guard, listen, buddy, we tried, eh? but these people, they're not interested. Just be grateful that you've got a job. And I, I remember Wayne and I just going, that's not, that's not going to show the love of God. That's not going to show the justice of God for us just to be okay that someone else is being exploited and um, because it's just too hard for us to have those difficult conversations, keep going backwards and forwards with emails and addressing things that we were being misunderstood um, or, or misrepresented. 
And there was, there was a battle that began to take place in the mind. And we had to make a decision not to take offense, not to be afraid of people's opinions or what our reputation was going to look like or how people were going to view us. We had to take a stance for God's kingdom, his values. He's a God of love. He's a God of justice. And if we're not going to address the situation, then greed and exploitation is just going to continue. And what's the point of Christians living in that situation if they're not going to do anything about it? Do you know what I'm saying? But there was such an important role that we had to, to play in addressing what was going on in our own minds and our own thoughts. And you have to address the fear and address the offense. And then what happens? You go to the Word of God, and the Word of God says, love your neighbor as yourself. All right. How do I love this neighbor who's really not being very neighborly right now? The Word of God says, don't go to bed angry. You know, you have to address the fact that I'm feeling angry. Address the temptation, just sit backwards and forwards. Can you believe that that person said this? Can you believe this? This is not fair. This is not right. Nata, nata, nata. And what could happen in the end? We could end up doing nothing about the situation, but just giving place to fear, giving place to offense, and then have a good old natter chatter story to tell our friends and family about how bad those neighbors are in that area because they did this to this security guard. Or we could take the word of God, go through the challenge of disciple shift, the shift that needs to take place in the heart and the mind, obey the word of God. And do you know what ended up happening? Love and truth always wins out. Because the kingdom of God is just beautiful, and the word of God is full of wisdom. And kind words turn away wrath. And so as we address the difficult neighbors and went backwards and forwards and have the conversations, we all get along really well right now. We don't live in the area anymore, but we, we all get along really well. And, um, and we still connect. And, and what ended up happening was justice came to pass, that gentleman got paid what he should be paid. He's happy. The kingdom of God has advanced. Righteousness, peace, joy is restored to an area because you obey the word of God. But you give place to fear and offense, and you're just going to allow the enemy to advance his kingdom and his brokenness, which is the world system. Make sense? Okay, can you think of a situation? Can you think of a situation that you might be finding yourself in right now where there's temptation for offense? An offense gets dished out like this. Yeah, take it, have some, have some. Yeah, there's something to be offended at. Is there a situation that you're in where offense is being dished out or you can feel you're afraid? Afraid of what people are gonna say? Afraid you might lose your job? Afraid that you you might be misunderstood, misrepresented? I just want to give you a moment. Think about your own life. Think about what's going on in your world. Ponder that for a moment and allow the Spirit of God to chat with you. And it brings me to another point about how important it is to be in the Word of God. My friends, if if the only time you're hearing the Word of God is every second or third week that you come to church, 
you're not going to stand a chance in the world. You are really not going to stand a chance. You're going you're gonna to have this title of, I'm a Christian, but you carry no power. You carry no authority. And you literally tossed around to and fro as the enemy wants to do what he does. Because he roams around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He can't devour the man or woman of God who is planted in the house of God and in the word of God. Because when the word of God is the umpire in your mind, as soon as the enemy steps foot, the umpire says, offsides. We are a people who have continuous access to the power and the presence of God. We have continuous access to courage, hope, victory, unconditional love, the ability to rise up. We have continual access to that. What is our excuse for shrinking back, being frozen, putting our head under the sand. There's no excuse. There's only choice. And like I said at the beginning, we have free will. What we choose to do with that free will affects whether the kingdom advances or the kingdom stagnates or the enemy rises up in and around you. In your workplace, in your neighborhood, in this city, and you know, sometimes we've got really hard things that we go through, and our workplace is really, really tough, but can I tell you something? There are six little words that we find in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16, and they go like this, we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Let me tell you something about the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ dealt with a lot of stuff on this earth in the human body, right? The mind of Christ overcame, and here are a couple things. Being born into a scandalous situation. The mind of Christ overcame that. Having to flee certain places when he was a child and even as an adult, he had to move, he had to be taken around go to different places because his life was under threat. His mind overcame that. When he was tempted, he didn't get some minor demon. He actually was tempted by Satan himself. The mind of Christ overcame that. The mind of Christ overcame the death of his cousin who was murdered for doing the right thing. The mind of Christ overcame his family's misunderstanding of him. The mind of Christ overcame the disappointment when his friends dropped him in his time of need and all he asked them to do was pray. The mind of Christ overcame being betrayed by one of those closest to him. The mind of Christ overcame what it was like when he was beaten unjustly even to the point of almost dying. And as his life was weighing in the balance and Pontius Pilate says to him, don't you know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? 
in that vulnerable moment of being broken, having this history of life, the mind of Christ replied, you have no power over me, but that which is given from above. And even on the cross, before he was offering up his last breath, he was able to extend forgiveness to those who were atrocious towards him. That's the mind of Christ. So when you hear you have the mind of Christ, that is what you have access to. And I know we've all been through hard things and some harder than others, but no one as hard as Jesus. You have the mind of Christ. So whatever is going on in your family, in your workplace, amidst your friends, in your community, amidst your neighbors, whatever you're facing, face it with that knowledge that you have the mind of Christ. I think it's time that we stand to our feet and we break off the spirit of fear and we renounce the spirit of offense and we embrace what God has for us, which is the mind of Christ, freedom, victory, and liberty. And what I've done is I've actually, I've written a prayer because there's time for altar ministry, but there's also time to stand and pray and deal with God and deal with what's going on in your life on your own and allow Him to establish the authority that Christ gained for you on the cross and step into that authority even in your own prayer space. So as we, as we pray this together, you bring to remembrance to, to God before the throne of grace all the things that you're facing and struggling with And let's allow our words, the words of our mouth and the declaration of our heart to align with what God wants to do. Amen. So if you want to pray this with me, you can pray. And I'm I'm just going to ask if you can just put that worship music on in the background. And whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do at this time, let's allow Him to do it. So Father in heaven, it's up on the screen, hey? Okay, let's read it together. Father in heaven, I come before your throne of grace, and I thank you that you deal gently with me and harshly with the spirit of fear. I acknowledge that you are God, and Jesus is your son who came to this earth to live the life I could not live and die the death that I should have died. Jesus made a way for me to come back to you and find help in my time of trouble. I'm grateful for Jesus and I put my life in His care. I believe in the power of your Holy Spirit to make me brave and courageous. Fear is not my portion. I am created in your image and in your likeness. You have given me through the Holy Spirit, love, power, and a sound mind. I bind my mind to the mind of Christ, and I choose to believe His truths over the enemy's lies. 
I am not a slave to fear. I am a bond slave to Jesus. And in him, I have eternal life and Zoe life here on this earth. I renounce my submission to the spirit of fear and I embrace my victory in Christ. I have the mind of Christ. I am not a victim to my circumstances or situations or things done to me or by me. I am a victor because my life is hidden in Christ. I put my trust in Jesus. I choose to submit to you. I actively resist the enemy and he will flee. Spirit of fear, I command you to go in Jesus' name. I renounce my association with offense and I choose today to go and address the issues I have with others because I want a pure heart before you. Please forgive me where I have chosen offense instead of obeying your word. Thank you for the courage to go and have conversations with people with whom I am offended. Please forgive me for not obeying your word and going to bed angry or coming before your altar when I haven't made right with others. Thank you for the courage to not give the enemy a foothold in my life anymore. I submit to you, I resist the enemy, and he must go in Jesus' name. I take back my authority that Jesus gave me when he crushed the enemy, and I believe that I am ordained to trample over snakes and scorpions and all the power of the enemy, and nothing will by any means harm me. I will no longer relinquish what was acquired for me on the cross. I am seated with Christ in heavenly places, and I rule and reign with Him from that place of rest and victory. I do not strive for what has been given to me. I merely receive it. I choose life. I choose hope. I choose freedom. I choose victory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I think we could start every day of every week with that because it's a declaration of truth. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.